Patience is a virtue. Have you heard that before? You know, most of us, we don't really like to wait. Uh, we like microwaves. We like fast food. We like high-speed internet, instant messaging, and green lights. Uh, we don't like to wait in long lines at uh, the dentist's office, the grocery store, in traffic, or anywhere else for that matter. But in the midst of waiting, in practicing patience, there is a lot we can learn. And so while we do not typically enjoy the, the journey of waiting, of practicing patience, it will keep us humble before God, and it does grow in us some much-needed character. And so according to James, patience is a crucial character trait when it comes to uh, the trials and the difficulties and the suffering that we endure in this life. And so throughout the book of James, throughout our study, we have seen James address a number of different topics. And James is very interested in the practical, active side of our faith. So in other words, what does genuine faith actually look like? So what does genuine faith look like when it comes to uh, the trials and temptations we go through? Uh, what does genuine faith look like when it comes to how we approach the Word of God? And what does genuine faith look like when it comes to how we treat those of a different social class or how we use our words or in our relationships with one another? What does genuine faith look like when it comes to the plans that we make? And so these were topics that were relevant to James's original audience nearly 2,000 years ago, and they are still relevant to us today. So now we come to the passage that we're going to look at this morning. What does genuine faith look like when it comes to how a follower of Jesus responds to suffering? So keep in mind, in James 1 verse 1, James is writing to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So his original audience were Jewish Christians who had been dispersed or who had been scattered due in large part to the suffering that they were uh, what they were facing, the persecution that they were facing following the stoning of Stephen. So in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it tells us that following this event, following Stephen's stoning, it says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all, except the apostles, were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So therefore, these words that James writes, they were in response to this topic of suffering, they were not hypothetical. These words were very relevant, uh, probably a little bit raw and challenging, but they would have also been so very encouraging and hope-filled, especially all the stuff considering what they were all going through. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, let's read the passage together. This is James 5, verses 7 to 12. I'll be reading from the NIV. It says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. And you have heard of Job's perseverance, and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, 
not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. So last week, Pastor Garth preached on James 5, verses 1 to 6. And in these verses, James was addressing some of the rich people who were oppressing the poor. And so James was, he was identifying some of the suffering that people in the early church were going through. And he warns those who were oppressing them that judgment is coming. So here in verse 7, uh, James turns his attention toward the victims, towards those followers of Jesus who were being oppressed and suffering in various ways. And he says in verse 7, it says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Be patient. So James uses this word patience four times in this short passage. And James is encouraging his readers to be patient in their suffering, in the trials, the difficulties, and the stuff that they were going through. So how are they supposed to do that? How can they be patient in their suffering? So this is the same question that we ask today. Our trials, our struggles, our difficulties, the suffering that we go through, it may look different at different times for different people, but whatever they are, how can we be patient in our suffering? And so throughout the book of James, there is this implied assumption that people, specifically the followers of Jesus whom James is writing to, that they will experience trials and temptations and sufferings in this lifetime. And so in James 1 verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now notice he does not write if, he writes whenever you face trials of many kinds. Therefore, as much as we don't like this idea, we should expect suffering as we journey through this life. Now, suffering comes to us in various forms. Some of it is deserved in that we bring it on ourselves due to our own sin and our own actions. So, for example, if you are angry a lot and you have this tendency to take it out on people, don't be surprised if you struggle to keep a job or have a lot of conflict in your relationships. If, uh, if you have horrible eating habits and never exercise, don't be surprised if you develop health issues. If you begin using alcohol or drugs to cope with problems in your life, you'll likely find yourself in some pretty unhealthy addictive patterns. If you watch a lot of horror movies, don't be surprised if you have a lot of fear and anxiety in your life. And the point is this. Some of the suffering that we experience is because of our foolish choices and sin. A person will reap what they sow. But there is also a lot of suffering that is undeserved. And so I think of those who have endured natural disasters such as earthquakes and famines and floods and things like that. I think of those who, you know, despite all their efforts to live a healthy lifestyle, still go through health concerns and illnesses. I think of those who are victims of racial injustice, those who are born into poverty. I think of the war in Ukraine and the millions of people who have been forced to flee their homes or seek shelter in the midst of the attacks going on there. You know, there are many other examples we could give. But why do these things happen? All right, and this is not an easy answer. You see, we live in a world that is deeply affected by sin. 
by our own sin, by the sin of others, a world that is broken, a world that is longing to be redeemed when Jesus Christ returns. And we want to know why. But sometimes we simply do not have an answer to that question. So, for example, in Job, in verse 11, James gives this example of Job. And now most of us, we know Job's story quite well. Uh, Job was a righteous man who seemed to have everything going for him. He was prosperous and happy. And then the devil came along and suggested that Job was faithful because he was blessed. If his blessings were to be removed, his devotion to God would vanish, or so he thought. And so the Lord allowed Satan to test Job. And test he did. Job lost his family, his health, his possessions. But in the end, Job still had his faith and the devil was proven wrong. Now there is another form of suffering. Righteous suffering. And this is the position that many found themselves in during the days of the early church that James was writing to. And it's a good thing the church held on to this letter. In fact, Peter picks up the same theme in his letters to the churches. Because about 14 or 15 years after James wrote this letter, the Roman emperor Nero began his persecution of the Christians living in Rome. And I won't go into all the details, but the persecution that Nero brought about would make anyone squeamish. It was awful, the things that they did to the Christians at that time. And there are many people today that continue to suffer in righteous suffering kind of ways. Uh, people who are persecuted because of their faith and allegiance to Jesus. And righteous suffering does not only come at the hands of other people. Righteous suffering also comes in the form of temptation by the evil one. And so this is something that we all experience so if you are wrestling through temptation, that is a form of righteous suffering. Therefore, endure. But whatever the form, suffering is something that everyone can relate to at some point. In fact, many of the Psalms were born out of suffering. And these Psalms continue to speak to us today because we can identify with them. And so suffering in any form can cause us to feel uh, frustrated and it can cause us to grumble against one another. And in verse 9, he, James, he instructs them, he says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Now suffering can cause us to lash out at others in our lives. So have you ever had someone blow up on you for something that was relatively insignificant? Have you ever done that to someone else? Right, this, this kind of thing happens all the time. A person has a bad day at work, uh, they come home, and they take out their frustration on their family or on the first person to look at them the wrong way. See, grumbling only compounds the problem. And so four times, James, in this passage, he refers to his audience as brothers and sisters. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. And so by addressing them this way, James is encouraging them to be united in their struggle, united in their suffering. He is encouraging the church to endure patiently together. So don't misdirect your frustration by fighting with one another. 
Rather, be united. Support, encourage, uplift, pray for, and endure together, patiently. This is the stuff that grows us together. And so I think of the suffering that Naomi and Ruth endured in the book of Ruth. This mother and daughter-in-law, they both lost their husbands. But rather than blame or take out their frustrations and their sorrow and their pain on one another, they held on to one another. And they grew together. They were united in their suffering together. And so as we live in this world that is eagerly awaiting the return of Christ, we can expect suffering in one form or another. And like I said before, in this short passage, we find this one key word uh, four times. Patience. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. This is what James says to those who are enduring suffering. And then he gives three examples of patience. The first one is that of the farmer. Now the farmer, he is, he's plowed the field, he's planted the crop, but now this farmer must wait expectantly for the rain to come. And the farmer, he understands that he is not in control of the weather. He has no ability to produce the rain on his own strength. The farmer, but he doesn't just sit back and just worry about if the rain will come. You see, he's still responsible for his own actions, his attitude and stuff. So the farmer, rather than worry about stuff, though the farmer will continue to live faithfully, preparing for the coming harvest. And so the farmer waits patiently in expectant hope that good things will come through the challenges. So the second example James shares is verse 10. Is that of the prophets. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. See, the prophets, they usually lived difficult lives because they spoke difficult and truthful messages. They often spoke them to kings and to people groups who did not want to hear them. And so there, there are so many prophets who endured righteous suffering and death at the hands of kings and people who did not want to hear their message and be convicted of truth. And so scripture tells us of many of these stories. Uh, we, we read about how Jezebel killed uh, many prophets because she did not like to have her evil ways pointed out. Likewise, there are stories of prophets such as Zechariah and Isaiah and Uriah and John the Baptist and Stephen and James and Peter and others. These are people who were also killed by people in power that did not like their message. And there are many others who, who patiently endured suffering, be it in prison or torture or time on the run. People because they were faithful to the mission that God had called them to. And there is a reason that they were able to patiently endure this suffering. And we will come to that in a moment. But first I want to come, to, come back to Job. See, Job is the third example of patient endurance in the face of suffering. So verse 11 says, As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And Job trusted that throughout everything he was going through that God is good. He would not abandon that truth even though his circumstances may have caused him to question that. 
And therefore, he was able to patiently endure because he believed God is good. So how were Job and the prophets patient in their suffering? Well, we see it in how they continued to be faithful to to God and trust in God. They continued to live faithfully. They did not abandon or compromise their values, their convictions, or their mission. They did not seek revenge. They did not plot a coup. And I'm sure it would have been tempting to say, this suffering is not worth it. I'm going to try it a different way or something totally different. Maybe I'll find a new job or a new calling. No, rather, they leaned into God, the one who they discovered in their suffering to be their rock, their strength, and their hope. And so how were Job and the prophets able to be patient in their suffering? They trusted in the character, the power, and the mission of God. They trusted that he was the judge, that he would bring about justice. And so as we live in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how can we be patient in our suffering? That's the big question this is all pointing to. And there are two reasons that we find in this short passage how we can be patient in our sufferings. And the first one is implied, and the second one is a bit more explicit. So the first one, number one, Jesus is Lord. How can we be patient in our suffering? Trust that Jesus is Lord. So two times that James tells the church to be patient because the Lord's coming is near. Another time James says that the judge is standing at the door. So why is this a comfort? See, this is a comfort because for all those who are patiently enduring suffering because we know that God sees us. And we know that God is with us through the power of the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He knows what's going on. And He is Lord. And so there is something really important that I want you to know. Regardless of the suffering that, that you have experienced, or that you are experiencing, that, or that you will experience one day. If your suffering is because of your faith in Jesus if it is unknown or undeserved, or even if it is the result of your own sin or something that you do deserve, I want you to know this, that God's love and his, his grace made manifest in the person of Jesus is greater than your sin. It's greater than your suffering and the consequences they bring about. And so how can we be patient in our suffering? By trusting that Jesus is Lord and he is Lord over all things, all people, all time. And so to borrow what Paul says in Romans 8, Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for you and for me, if he loves us that much, we can trust him through whatever it is that we go through. Whatever that may look like in whatever time frame that may be. And so one of the struggles of going through any form of trials and temptations and difficulties or suffering of any kind is that we just don't know how long we have to endure We just don't know that time frame. And patience means to be long-suffering or long-tempered. Maybe it's health issues, physical or mental health issues, relationship struggles that you have with your children or, or with your spouse or your coworkers or your friends 
or pandemics or conflicts or wars or whatever it is. We just don't know how long we need to patiently endure. But we can be patient amidst the suffering because Jesus is Lord. The future belongs to Jesus. Therefore, we do not need to fear or lose our way. And Jesus does not call us to do something that he was not willing to do. In 1 Peter 3.18, it says, Jesus Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. And so because of the hope and confidence we have in our Lord and Savior, we can follow his example. And because Jesus is Lord, we can trust that he will bring good through it. And we may not always see the good that our suffering will produce. Perhaps it will be a witness to people in our lives. You know, we see this in the story of Ruth. Uh, perhaps it will be character formation. That God, you know, God is more concerned about our transformation than he is about, you know, what the next step in our, our, our job future is or that kind of thing. You know, Hebrews 12 tells us that God uses hardship in our lives to discipline us because he loves us. You know, we see this also in the story of King David. You know, David wrote many psalms in the darkest times of his suffering. Psalms that shaped him and still speak to and minister to us today. Perhaps your suffering will create in us a deeper longing for eternity with Christ. You know, the Apostle Paul, who endured all kinds of suffering, he shares this longing in Philippians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. He says, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes it is better that I continue to live. Or perhaps, and quite likely, the suffering that you patiently endure will result in all of the above. It will be a witness to others of the grace of God in your life. It will shape our character to be more like Christ. It will give us a longing for eternity with Christ. And it is our hope that we will see good from the suffering that we endure in this life. But because Jesus is Lord, we will certainly see the results, the rewards of our patient endurance. If not in this life, then certainly in the next, in the resurrection. So that brings me to my second point. How can we be patient in our suffering? So first, by trusting that Jesus is Lord. And second, trusting that Jesus is coming again. Living in light of his promised return. And so this is the hope of all who trust in Christ. This is the explicit reason why followers of Jesus can patiently endure suffering on this side of heaven. Because Jesus is Lord and King and he is coming again. And he also has been patiently enduring human evil for a season. And when Christ returns, he will reward those who have lived and suffered faithfully. Those who have patiently endured the trials, the difficulties, the temptations that we go through in this life. And these verses, they're just so rich in confident expectation of a day when the fortunes of those who have suffered in this life will be reversed. And at the same time, 
The return of Christ is the hope of all who have suffered unjustly at the hands of others. He is the judge that is standing at the door. He will bring justice. He will make all things right. And therefore, this passage subtly reminds us of the same message that Paul writes in Romans 12, verses 19. He says, Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And that is good news for us because it sets us free from that, that need to get even or to seek revenge for the wrongs that have been done to us. It means that we are free to love, to forgive, and to extend the grace of our Lord Jesus to others in our lives. See, love and grace and forgiveness, this is the only way to end that vicious cycle of pain and revenge. And so essentially what, what James is attempting to get across to his readers is this. He says, your present suffering, it's not the end of the story. God will transform your situation for good when Christ is revealed in glory. And so whenever people talk about the return of Christ, they've always been tempted to ask, when? Right, and through, throughout Scripture we're told, no one knows. Only God knows. Therefore, be ready. You know, every generation sees signs of Christ's return. And these signs are always meant to remind us of Christ's return and to inspire us to live faithfully anticipating his return. But one thing is always certain. You and I, we, we will meet the Lord soon. For he will either return during our lifetime or we will meet him when we die. Therefore, be ready. And if you believe Jesus Christ is Lord and you identify as a follower of Christ, this is good news. This is a great comfort and hope. And if you have not put your hope and your faith in Christ, the fact that Jesus is returning should give, us, should give you cause to consider your life, reflect on your life. But know that Jesus Christ is inviting you with open arms inviting you to say yes to him. Be patient in suffering. Jesus is Lord. He is coming. That's the big idea I want to share with you this morning. Ten words. Be patient in suffering. Jesus is Lord. He is coming. You know, this section of James, it ends with this warning about making vows or oaths. He says, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. And so until the day Christ returns as Lord and King, even in the midst of persecution and suffering, remain people of integrity. Tell the truth. Be honest. Have integrity. Don't make promises you can't keep or have no intention of keeping but live as those who have experienced the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. You know, we live in this world that is deeply affected by sin and brokenness. And we are certain to face suffering in some form or another. And James, he, he doesn't get into the unfairness of it. He doesn't get into why suffering is allowed. What he seems to do is acknowledge that it's going to happen. And he says, here's what we can do with the suffering. We can patiently endure it 
we can grow from it. We can use it to draw us closer to Christ and nearer to one another. And because Jesus is Lord, and because of the hope of his return, we do not need to live in fear or give up. We can patiently endure. Therefore, let us set our hearts on Jesus. For he is faithful, and he is present, and he will bring good through it.